0: Hello, Kariboni again to another episode of the GVA Legal Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Jenga. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Last episode, my panel of Stella Ojango, Anthony Durango, and I discussed the effects that the coronavirus has had on employment here in Kenya, from working from home to unpaid leave to termination of that employment. As discussed in episode two, bankruptcy is now rampant the world over. In this episode, we shall be discussing dispute resolution in employment matters in Kenya. In studio with me today is Irene Kashindi. Irene is an advocate of the High Court and partner at Munyao Mudama and Kashindi Advocate. Irene specializes in employment and labor relations matters and is currently the Law Society of Kenya representative in the Employment and Labor Relations Rules Committee. She is also a published author. Big up, big up to Irene. She has co-authored Kashindi's Digest of Employment Cases with her partner, George Kashindi. (laughs) Karibu sana, Irene. Say hello to the people.
1: Hello, people, and thank you very much, uh, Jenga, for having me.
0: Thank you so much, Irene, for joining us. Um, also in studio with us is Vincent Owea. Vincent is an advocate of uh, the High Court of Kenya in the Dispute Department here with GVA. He is an accredited mediator by the judiciary and a proficient in employment matters. He's a skilled negotiator with interest in employment matters. Karibu Sana Vincent, Salimia the Watu. Hello, everyone. Hey, hey, hey. This is our third episode now and I want to thank my panelists thank you so much for you taking your time and join us in this podcast. Now we do something little called get to know your panelists. Just a little break the ice few questions. Don't worry, don't worry. Um I will start with Vincent. What do you love to cook?
2: Oh oh, rice. Any day, any time. <laughs> That's all, just rice. Rice, rice, rice. rice. <laughs> with what? I can even have it with tomato sauce. <laughs> Hi, Vincent, surely. Hey,
0: Irene?
1: Uh, I love Nduma. Yeah. And chicken.
0: To cook? Or yes. do you. I, I
1: love both to cook and to eat. And to eat. That combination. Uh,
0: that's also important. That's also important. Yes. Um, just now, seriously, Did you see yourselves as lawyers when you were younger, when you were seven or eight years old? Did you think that you'll be in this profession?
1: Ah, uh, if I could go fast, uh, I I think I did though I didn't know of course at that point what I would do. Yeah. But I used to read a lot of detective books, so mm. I thought I'd be a criminal lawyer. You know the James Hadley Chase oh, uh, and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So I would see myself in a courtroom. I am now in a courtroom, but on the a way completely to, different tangent. a completely different tangent, but yeah. I used to sort of like envision I'll be in a courtroom somehow, yeah. somewhat.
0: And yeah. look at you. Now she's also an author of
2: books.
1: (laughs) Vincent? Thank you. Actually, for the better part of my
2: youth, I never thought I'd be a lawyer. What do you think you'd be? I thought of something different, like a doctor. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what pushed you into the law? Mm. Interesting. (laughs) Go on, (laughs) we're waiting. I think initially I had the view that um, lawyers have to talk a lot. Yes. Like you have to be quite a mouth for you to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And uh, slowly with time, I came to realize lawyers don't really have to talk a lot, but they have to think a lot. Yes. Not to say that I think a lot, but I prefer thinking over talking.
0: (laughs) 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 Okay. All right. Well, um, now that you are a lawyer, we want to thank you. You know, you're here in our department at GVA, Santini Sana. Now, let's get into our conversation. Um, Employment Dispute Resolution. So um, we have discussed um, the employment contract in episode one. In episode two, we discussed about bankruptcy, termination um, of employment, unpaid leave. So now we want to talk about dispute resolution because that's normally the third step. After termination, that's normally, let's see where we can get a middle ground. So I'll start with you, Irene, if you can just give us a few pointers of the jurisdiction of the Employment and Labor Relations Court here in Kenya.
1: Okay, yeah, so um, the Employment and Labor Relations Court is uh, w- what we call a special co- specialized court that is established um, as a court of uh, w- what is described as equal status of the high court, but now it's a specialized court dealing with employment and labor relations matters. Mm. Uh, and the jurisdiction of the Employment and Labor Relations Court is just picked from the name. So yes. we have Employment, and then labor relations, yeah, but then a breakdown of what that means then is of course set out in, 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 in the law, the employment, the Employment and Labor Relations Court Act, which establishes the court yes and if I could just summarize it because it's a long list, yes. could just summarize it. It deals with disputes between employer and employers and employees mm. to begin with yeah. uh, between trade unions and employers yeah. between group of trade unions and employers like for example Kenya Bankers Association yes. versus you know some bank or banks yes but really it's disputes that arise from employment and this could include termination could include collective bargaining agreements with, where people have not been able to agree but but the, but the anchoring thing is really that there's uh, it, it has to do with employment and labor relations. Yes. Labor relations part it has to do with now the collective bargaining agreements and disputes that arise from 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 there. But we've seen uh, recently that there's a bit of uh, emerging jurisprudence such that the decision of the court does not need to be invoked simply if there's an uh, employment relationship between the parties. Yes. And that's why we see some people like Okia and Umtata um, yes. being very busy in, in the employment and labor <coughs> relations court. Yeah. So if it's an employment matter that has to do for example with appointment of, of appointment um in boards yes it's still an employment issue as yes. much as there's no employment employment relationship between okia and the board yes so still since it's employment and a labor-related matter then it ends up in the employment and, and the labor relations got, yes wow, so in summary I, I could i could say it that way, but yeah. there's a whole long list in the act
0: yeah let's talk about filing how we get inside the Implementing Liberal Relations Court? If you can give me anything, um, Vincent, maybe you can start off. Just a, a few um, tips on the filing and the hearing of a claim before the Implementing Labor Relations Court, yes. which we can sum. We can abbreviate to ELRC. Yes. ELRC. Uh, yeah. Okay.
2: Maybe the first point would be to talk about the timelines. Yes. If you are aggrieved by anything and you want to approach the court. Yes the law provides that you need to bring it within three years.
0: Yeah. It's
2: specifically on issues, termination and such. And um, the timeline is quite strict. Yes. Such that the court cannot extend it. If you don't bring a claim within that period, then unfortunately you have no redress. So the claim
0: has to be brought within three years of the cause of action, either from the date of termination or the date of the grievance that you have with your employer. Definitely. Yeah, so definitely, within three
2: definitely, years. Definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely. And um, the good thing about uh, approaching that court is, um, I'd say the rules are quite relaxed. Yeah. They say that the rules, let's say, like the rule of evidence do not apply strictly. And this is for a good thing. This is for a good cause. Mostly, let's say, if your um, employment has been terminated, It is assumed that you have just lost your uh, means of income. Yes. And you could not even be in a position to appoint an advocate. Yeah. So the rules are quite relaxed so that anyone is uh, free and can be able to approach the court. Yeah. Yes. In terms of procedure, the first document you lodge is what we call a statement or memorandum of claim.
0: Yeah.
2: And uh, when you're lodging this claim, you're supposed to lodge it together with a document called notice of summons. Yes. Now I don't know the effect of failing to lodge a notice of someone, especially with employment cases. Yeah. Because um, again, the rules are different as mm. opposed from those in any other civil in other courts. Yeah. Claim, yeah. What you have in your statement of claim is basically, I'd say it's divided in three major parts. Yes. One is the description of the parties and their relationship. Yeah. Two is um, the factual background leading to whatever incident you are grieved on. Yes. And lastly is the prayers. The prayers, yeah. Now, you need to be quite careful when lodging this particular document because yes. in law they say you're only entitled to that which you've presented before the court.
0: Yeah, you're bound you, by your pleadings. Yes, they say yeah. so in
2: the legal language. Yeah. So that even if the court sees that here, you you could be entitled to something more. Yes. But you didn't ask for it. Yeah. The court won't give you. Yeah. So you need to be quite careful when drafting this. And um, in terms of procedure, there are two ways to go about it. Yes. Before that particular court. And um, you could solely rely on the documents. Yes. That are on record. But this, of course, is with the consent we either...
0: Of the other side. the other side. But first, before we go there... um don't you have to serve the documents upon the employer? Ah, oh,
2: definitely. Yes, and uh, then
0: the employer is given an opportunity to put in a response. De- definitely, definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah.
2: definitely. Yeah. I think I've been doing this just overlooked <laughs> you, <say>, yeah. <laughs> you think file, Yes, yeah. once, you, once you file, you have to serve. You yes. Know? Yeah. 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 You have to serve them with the statement of claim together yeah. with them. Um, any other documents you wish to rely on? Yeah. And upon service, they have 21 days to put in a response. To put in a response. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Although I don't know, but I've seen practices. Sometimes people go beyond 21 days.
0: Yeah. I. Yeah. Um. Just uh, a quick one to either of you. The 21 days, because in the civil courts, mm. you can ask for interlocutory, interlocutory judgment, judgment or, judgment. or, or default, default judgment. judgment. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. can you? Ask for default judgment in the employment in the ELRC.
1: You you can't, uh, what, but what the rules you now provide... You can't, cannot. Cannot. You, okay, cannot let me say yeah. you cannot. There's no uh, prov- provision for default judgment. Yes. But what is there is formal proof. Yes. Such that um, uh, the, the court can declare during the pretrial conference... That uh, the matter is undefended, yes, which means now it proceeds in in what we call in legal language exparte, yes, yeah. So, but but then the court still has to hear the matter. There's no provision for default judgment, yeah. though. I've seen in practice some people who may not know of this have applied for default judgment. Yeah, I think and I uh, yes, I <laughs> think
0: I've seen people f- apply for default judgment yeah, as well,
1: and especially now that the um, um what do you call it, the the. Magistrates Court are now doing employment matters. Yes. Uh, uh, since people, I think, are not so familiar with that process, they have actually been applying for default judgment, just yes. in, like in any other civil suit yes, yeah. that appears before that court. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So, suit is filed, suit is served upon the employer, and then the employer is given an opportunity to put in a, a response. If you do not put in a response, you can go for formal proof, or the employer does put in the response. Or the other party. I don't know I keep saying employer, but the other party, the other side c- puts c- in the c- yes. <laughs> puts in the response and then it goes for, for hearing. Yeah. So Vincent, sorry I interrupted you, but go on. Um you had jumped to documentary evidence, Vincent.
2: By documentary evidence means just presentation of documents without um, what um in legal terms we call viva voce. Yes. Ev- evidence. And so that's
0: in person. In person, I think coming uh, to court and testifying in person mm. or we yeah. can say oral evidence, oral, oral oral evidence think, oral, yes
2: yeah. so in this case you just rely on the documents as presented yeah and uh, this is why i was saying when you're presenting that statement of claim it's always very good to be precise mm. so that if you choose this part, the court is not left wondering what is this person asking yes so that it should be very clear and uh, once you agree that's the route you want to take the court will Purely look at whatever is presented before it in terms of the documents, and render a verdict yeah. on that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. If, Irene?
1: if I could add something uh, on that, I, I've seen what I've seen in practice is that, um, and increasingly in the recent past, the judges have been insisting that people file what they call uh, what what the judges have been calling um, witness affidavits. Yes. and I think this is to, for, 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 to enable the court now rule on. Um, but docu- by just relying on documentary evidence without vivavoce oral evidence, and the reason for this, I think it's it's arising from a court of appeal decision that said that just relying on the documents without them being adopted yes. would not be proper. But an affidavit is evidence. Is evidence. So if it yes. if so so that if it's in an affidavit, uh, then 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 it's evidence and the court can rely on them without calling the the, 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 the witnesses witness to come and and give oral evidence. Yeah. So there's there's something coming up of affidavit. Uh, witness affidavits. Yes. That, uh, that uh, I've seen, especially during these COVID times yes. uh, when I've appeared in court. I've always been hearing judges say, okay, make sure that you remember to file affidavit statements. I mean, um, witness affidavits affidavits. uh, that would now be sworn. Because you see, a witness statement is not sworn. Yes. Uh, A statement of claim is not sworn. Mm. Yeah, but an affidavit is sworn, then it's evidence. as it forms part of the evidence for the case. Yeah, as per per the rules of evidence. So as as, as he said when we started, that uh, rules of evidence do not apply per se. Mm. But it seems like guidance is being given on how that would happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Interesting. so the witness statement is not converted into a witness affidavit yes, basically. Basically yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. And so everything that you are said in the witness statement point by point it just becomes a paragraph in the affidavit. Exactly.
1: And 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 how it is that I've been doing it very easily, I would uh if I've already filed my witness statement and I want yes. to have it as a an, an, an affidavit. I would simply just, you know, sort of like annex it, yes, and have like two three paragraphs oh, in an okay. affidavit, but yeah. still, I'm annexing it as part of my evidence as evidence, and it, it still passes.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's I had no idea about witness affidavits. Did you, Vincent?
2: Mm, not
0: true. Yeah, yeah, true. yeah. yeah But Thank it's a, recent thing, that a that recent thing. That's a recent thing. Yeah, it's uh, coming up uh, yeah. from, from the courts. Yeah. 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 So, guys, if you know you're filing your own um, statement of claim, please. Make sure that you put in an affidavit of um, a witness affidavit. affidavit, especially if directions witness. have been given yes. that
1: uh, the matter is proceeding without oral evidence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: do you think that is the new way, especially now with COVID? I mean, the courts have to adapt. Yeah. Um. And it's not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it seems true. it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um. So do you think that this will be the new way, and even post um, coronavirus, that it it may be a much better judicial time saving mechanism. Yeah. Um, I think so. I don't know what your thoughts
1: are. I think so. Though yesterday I was in a forum where, like in a bar bench sort of, and both the, bar, the, the, the members of the, the, the advocates and the judges, yeah. they were discussing um, about what, what the negative effects that could come out of this. Where yes. if, for example, um, you've not been able to, to subject this to cross examination. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you've not been able to test the veracity of the whatever it is that the judges are relying on, mm. or even if it comes to a level where you're saying you're giving oral evidence virtually, could it be that someone else is sitting in the room and passing, you know, questions, notes, notes yeah. and answers to the to the to the witnesses? And I I heard of a very interesting story yesterday that um, a clerk actually, uh, like a clerk of your firm here, yes. is actually testifying. Uh, Pretending to be the client. A
0: witness. That's what I was going to say that. Yes. I was just going to say that. Yes. Yes. How yes. do we know this is the person who, is, who has sworn either that uh, um, a witness affidavit or exactly. signed the witness
1: statement? Yeah. yeah. So I, I guess we'll have to adopt ways of making sure that there's a like proper identification of yeah. who that is. Yes. I don't know how that would be done, but there are challenges. Yeah. But I, I guess we need to just get solutions as we go along.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, what What does the LSK committee think?
1: I think there were there, there there is still an ongoing discussion uh yeah. for for the for the rules committee we are, we are we are I think there's a meeting coming up very soon mm. and these are some of the things I think we will discuss to see what to do um in terms of you know f- um, filling these gaps yeah. that are obviously coming to yeah. the fore yeah but not yet discussed at the moment but yeah. we should be discussing going forward
2: Okay yeah It's Vincent anything to add? Yeah. I think that's interesting very interesting and um now, in terms of when you see somebody else is testifying, that can be minimized when, because I'm thinking in an employment dispute, the employer knows the employee was taking them to court.
0: Yes. Yeah. But however, the advocate may not.
2: However, it becomes a challenge, especially <laughs> yeah. if it's a formal proof. Yes. Oh, that. A, yeah. Yes. If, cause yeah. if it's a formal proof, I could just take you. Yeah, anybody take can understand yeah. and exactly. uh, yeah. proceed. Yeah.
0: And also in big organizations, let's say, um, I don't know the hr in a massive organization may not know each and every, every. single employee yes you know yeah. mm. or let's say that hr who knew that employee has now left the organization so this is another hr as well so there there can be many dynamics to that um situation.
2: Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. in multinationals. Or multinationals, multinationals yeah. yeah. Or even yeah. a big Kenyan company where yeah. the HR is based in Nairobi in and, Nairobi and they, they have employees in
0: everywhere. All,
1: all over. Yeah.
0: yeah. True. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. Um are there any alternate um Dispute resolutions when it comes to employment. I, I, don't, you know, just
1: I don't know if we, before you go there, okay. Jenga, uh, yeah. still on what you're asking about the methods of filing, yes. um, just to add on what I said, uh, the statement of claim and what have you, but th- there are other ways in which uh, you the court that you can approach the court, like for example, and we see that quite a lot, petitions, for example. Yes. You know, like we've been seeing. Um, public interest petitions that have been filed, been been filed by uh, the mm. or the unions or whatever it is. So constitutional petitions are actually increasingly being filed in the Employment and Labour Relations Court. Yeah. And I forgot actually to mention when I started that um, that the jurisdiction of the Employment and Labour Relations Court actually extends to constitutional matters. Mm. That they can now enforce the Bill of Rights or um, violation, alleged violation of Bill of Rights. They yeah. can still deal or with that or infringement of, of Bill of Rights. They can they can deal with they can deal with that and they have dealt with that, and and I think statistic-wise, it's actually almost coming half-half where the petitions are actually almost you know being more than uh, the, the normal statements, statement, statement, statement of claim. claims. Yeah. But then, uh, as sisters to the petitions, would be the judicial reviews, what we call judicial reviews, which uh, I think in just simple terms would be those that um, you're fighting uh, or you're challenging decisions or the decision-making process of a public body. Yeah, yeah, that we also see quite a bit in the in the Employment and Labour Relations mm-hmm. Code.
0: Yeah, so it's, they they listen to a lot of that. I mean the the courts are really the ELRC is really expanding its um mandates before exactly I think before it was just very purely on termination. Yeah. If you talk about when the courts started about um Seven seven years ago, maybe?
1: Yeah. Um, Just, or 10? To, to, 20, okay, the the the, the act, the came, act came in 20, 2008. Yeah. But the court as we know it right now was in place in 2011.
0: 20, 2011, yes. Yeah. Because it was in the constitution from 2010. Yes. So for that, uh, w- I would say for the last first three, four years, yes. it was purely termination i don't a lot of termination lot of termination, of termination, termination and, and,
1: and, and, and labor relations you yeah. know, the disputes between employer and unions and, and unions what have you. yeah yeah but it was mostly termination yeah. it's still mostly termination but we still now see a lot of um constitutional petition yeah. and 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 some 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 um, litigants and lawyers mostly are being a bit um Uh, uh, can I say uh, wise let me use let me me be (laughs) diplomatic (laughs) being wise such that they're actually filing petitions when ordinarily they'll just be filing statement of claims claims. and why they're doing that is just because petitions Mm. move fast
0: uh, faster yes, mm-hmm. uh, because
1: for a petition you just need to file a petition and then a replying affidavit yeah. and then uh, so they move faster and the diary is not congested you don't need to wait for two mm-hmm. years or one and a half years for your matter to be listed yeah. but the court has realized because I I also sit in the bar bench committee and that's one of the things that we discuss once in a while yeah. that uh, the courts have realized and they're actually now uh, p- trying to avoid that and they go through the petition sometimes to see if you're just being tricky yes. to try to expedite the process yet there's actually no no constitutional petition yeah. though having said that you know article forty one of the constitution that guarantees the right to la- fair labor practice is really wide such that any employment dispute would really be relating to the article forty one yes mm. just to begin with yeah. and then the sister one i would call the sister article of article forty seven so in any in any termination, someone can easily say my Article Forty One right, con- yes. right has been infringed, or Article Forty Seven right has been infringed. But here we are talking about really constitutional violations of you know discrimination uh, and what have you. Yes. Those ones sh- can really go through the process in an equ- in, in a faster manner, yeah. and the courts are allowing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I was I was asking, what are the are there other alternate, um, dispute resolution mechanisms? Um. For parties in our employment dispute, right. I, think, I think, I think <laughs> the mediator <laughs> should go there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let me see.
2: If the starting point is that the um, employment and labor court rules, yeah, do not bar any application of ADR. Yes, and uh, also reading the employment laws together with our constitution. Yes, people are encouraged to seek alternative dispute resolution mechanisms. Mm. In fact, with court annexed mediation, a number of employment disputes yes. have been referred to mediation. Exactly, and uh, it has worked out. Yeah, and um, sometimes because even an employee who is still uh, in employment could lodge a claim in court, mm. and uh, for the sake of preserving the relationship between the two people, yes, it's always advised that ADR or alternative dispute resolution mechanisms, yeah, are always the better forum. Resolve this, yes. So, in terms of we can need the different forms we can use in solving employment disputes, could include mediation. Mm-hmm. Mediation basically refers to a process where you use a third neutral party, yes, who assists mm-hmm. the two disputants, yes, to reach an amicable position. Yeah, the mediator doesn't give any verdict, yes. But assist the parties to come up with um, a solution that is workable for
0: both. For of both them. parties, yeah.
2: Yes, they say that um, a mediator helps the parties in dispute to identify their interests mm. rather than the positions that they're holding. Yes. And um, any dis- in any dispute, people have interests. Yeah. And sometimes people take positions also.
0: Yes. Yeah. Taking
2: off positions, clouds judgment, and sometimes you might lose out on something that could actually benefit you. At, at, uh,
0: when you need it, when especially, yeah. Exactly.
2: Because yeah. you could see in um, employment claims, sometimes one of the parties has no source of livelihood. Yes. So it is in your interest that this dispute is resolved as quick as possible so that you can at least focus on other things. Yes. And um, if there's any dues that are to be released to you, they're released to you at the earliest possible. Yeah. Comparing this to court, sometimes we can't really dictate the diary of the court. Mm. And um, you could push for early hearing date. Yes. Only for the other party's advocate to fall sick.
0: Yes. Or the judge, or the judge, or the magistrate. Or you know,
2: yeah. yeah. So if you count the first time the advocate falls it, the second time is the magistrate, the yeah. third time is the witness. Yes, you could lose an entire year or two. Exactly. In fact, in practice, it's um, you are very lucky if your dispute is resolved in court within a year. Very very lucky
1: that's actually short, yeah, because of the the backlog, yeah. And and right now, the courts are now trying to clear the backlog for I think 2016, 2015, 2016, before they now start on 2017. 17, we have like almost like a three year backlog Backlog already, though. The judges and I think the registry are really trying, but um, I know that's what is happening, yeah. Mm.
2: Yes, another beauty of ADR is you get to choose sometimes, you get to choose we want to be the mediator. Yeah. You have that leeway. In court, you don't get that. Yeah, In court, you file and once the matter is allocated a judicial officer, even if you want them to recuse themselves, it's a decision that's squarely upon them, mm. which sometimes doesn't really work in favor of the disputants. Yeah. Now, another um, form of dispute resolution, which I always find interesting, is arbitration. Do we have arbitration in employment
1: matters very rare because most 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 um most contracts would not have an arbitration clause as yes. the dispute resolution mechanism mm. But in, I've seen in senior executive contracts, yes, where obviously because of the value, yes, we've had um arbitration that I've seen and I've even participated in arbitration uh, in, employment in employment matters, yeah. yes, but mostly in senior executive Very senior contracts. Executive, yeah. And when the court was starting earlier on in the twenty two two thousand and twenty eleven, 2011 and thereabouts, 20 maybe three years there, thereabouts. They were a bit reluctant in allowing arbitration because the court was saying we have the exclusive jurisdiction. Mm. But increasingly, I think even the rules now expressly provide for ADR and uh, yeah. uh, now Article 159 of the Constitution providing for ADR, yeah. They actually, when, when there's an ADR, when there's an arbitration clause, most of the time the courts would, would, would allow for the parties to go to arbitration. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Vincent, you are saying that, sorry, I, I, again I cut you short, so what are you going to say?
2: Yeah, I, I just think the application of arbitration in yeah. employment disputes is um, I'd say quite, sometimes it's a quite mischievous
0: practice. Do you think so? Why? And I would say
2: like I say some. Let me use my senior's words. Some wise employers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's be diplomatic. You know we can talk about our clients here. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: so let me say I'm a wise employer, Andy, yes, yeah. and um, I'm giving you a job. Yeah. Then I'm giving you very lucrative terms. It's a job you can't refuse. Yes. But I put in an arbitration clause yeah. and I say in case of a dispute, the dispute will be resolved through arbitration. And then they call it the seat of arbitration. Is in London. Is in London. <laughs> but I think London is even better. We could put it in Moscow. Oh, okay. Mm. The seat of arbitration is in Moscow. Yeah. So once we have a dispute... And let me say probably I'm coming from a company that um, is multinational with the headquarters in Moscow. Yes. So once we have a dispute here in Nairobi, now it's for you where to go and file uh, the arbitration where in, in Moscow again. Yeah. So uh, it's a way, and when you go to court, it's just for me to go and tell the court, see, we There's have an arbitration, arbitration clause. clause. Yes. Yeah. So always find the application specifically for arbitration is quite a dicey issue yeah that uh, really need and uh, i hope that the court will in future yeah come up with uh, proper guidelines of if you have arbitration yes. in employment how should it apply what
0: do you think um is the best advice for employers and um, no employees who have been given this contract that has an arbitration clause
1: i would say um be very careful before you accept yeah. an arbitration clause in, 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 in an employment con- contract. contract. Yes, be very careful because, especially from an employee perspective, yes. because you see the way our courts uh, jurisprudence or the cases that have come from there are more leaning towards employees, whether we like it or not.
0: That's our next point. Actually. Yes,
1: yeah. so so, <laughs> so 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 you 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 you're better off in court rather than maybe placing it in the hands of one person who's not necessarily. Uh, within that uh, persuasion, yes, yeah. But yeah. having said that, I think what I've seen in practice, I've seen the arbitration agreements in in senior executive contracts, and there you say sort of like the bargaining power is, is not as low as mm. you would know be like, you know, a, a junior employee yes. and what have you. Yeah. Though it's 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 a very rare thing. Mm. Yeah, you'd rather that just the disputes be dealt with in court or court annexed mediation because there's the court is actually, you know, um, facilitating that process yeah. or negotiations because that is between the parties. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so you've just hit the nail on the head, um, Irene, when you said that the uh, ELRC is a Leans very heavily towards the employees. Yeah. Um. Why Why do you think that is?
1: Um. I I don't know whether I could just take you back for a moment because yeah. I had noted something when it comes to ADR. There's also conciliation, what we call the statutory conciliation. Oh yes. yes. Conciliation for for labor relation disputes. That is disputes between unions and um, employers. The, the Labor Relations Act actually makes it um, clear that there should be pre court conciliation yes. that should be undertaken first before you go to court. And some judges have actually not allowed matters to go on until the conciliation process is over. Yes. Yeah, so I think that that, that is also something that uh, the people out there should bear in mind. Yeah. So that when there's a union in place, um Consideration should always be the first step. Though there are exceptions under the Labour Relations Act as yeah. to when it is that you can go to court when there's an urgent matter that needs, to, you know, the court to deal with before the consideration um, takes over. Yeah, it takes so up. Yes. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: So, what what's uh, both your thoughts on the ELRC and when it comes to employee employer matters?
1: I, I think the genesis is not actually. The judges, per se. Yes. I think the genesis is the law itself. The way the law is drafted. And and, and I think the historical underpinnings was that the law was made or passed during the electioneering period. Yes. And we all know what happens during that time is that you're endearing to the electorate. To the people. Yeah. Yeah, So I think passing the law is a bit rushed. And it may be that the, the, there was not a balance. Employers were not maybe given a proper balance of um, agitating or pushing for their interests, such that it ended up being a very employee-friendly law, yes. whether we like it or not. Yes. So I think it's it's a, it's it's deriving from that, such that now the case law that is coming out from the courts are now seen to be to or perceived to be very leaning in favour of employees. Yeah. Maybe they are, uh, but I think. Uh, the two of them actually working together. The, the judges could be more employee-friendly uh, because of me, I guess, the, I think they were gaining uh, powers between the two, but also the law itself is actually the, 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 the source of it all.
0: Yeah, because our act doesn't differentiate between unlawful termination yeah. and unfair yes. termination. Yes. Um, we've been having this discussion a lot at the office. If mm-hmm. um, I'm a boss somewhere and I come in and I don't like the look of Vincent's face, yeah, the contract says I give him two months notice. Yeah. If I give him two months notice pay, yeah. I tell him, okay, here's two months notice pay, yeah. leave. Yeah. That should be my prerogative. Yeah. I feel. Now the if if there were other benefits he was supposed to get and he were to sue, the only thing he would get from the courts is those benefits. Yeah. If we have a a a welfare here and we've not given him that money from the welfare, if if leave days but now the our act has amalgamated wrongful and unfair termination together
1: yeah and and and, and such that uh, when you look at i think section forty three forty five has mm. read together with the um, jurisprudence that has come from our court which most of them are digested in our digest. Yes, yes. <laughs> Big <laughs> up I, to I, the offer. I, I don't know it is that I've forgotten <laughs> to keep mentioning the digest. Kashidi's <laughs> digest. Yes. You, you, you can almost uh, as conclude that uh, the contractual notice period. Is actually redundant nowadays. Yes. When yes. you say you will give two months' notice, one month's notice, exactly. by itself, it's redundant, it's redundant because, yes. because you need to, you need, you uh, you read section 45 that says for any termination, uh, it has to, to be, be unfair. Read, yes. It has to be fair, sorry. And the f- it must be based on fair and valid reasons. Yes. And then fair procedure must yeah. be followed. So those two twin um, principles or twin limbs yeah. of the test must be met for there to be. Valid or fair and ro- or lawful termination, termination of employment. Yeah. So even if you're still giving notice at the end of it all, you must still show that there was yes. reason, and you must show that you follow the applicable procedure. Yeah, yeah. So
0: it's like nobody can be fired okay. anymore. And Let me just say that. That's prove. a qualified statement though.
1: <laughs> 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 like just when on, yeah. on the basis of reliance of the, the contractual notice yes. by itself yeah. is no longer sufficient. So section mm. 35 that provides for that or your contract that provides for notices alone are not sufficient. And there yeah. the are a number of court of appeal decisions that have actually even confirmed that. That, yeah. that uh, termination uh, at will, as it used to be called pre-2007, yeah. or for convenience, is no longer open to employers. Yeah, yeah In view of how... Employee friendly, the law was made. Yes. Yeah.
2: Apart from giving the reasons, you have to prove them. So they yes, say yes as to well. Prove yes. Them, yes. yes. So yeah. yes. there's no way you can just tell someone, Andre, can't just work with you. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you can't work with me, you yes. have to give me reasons and you have to, to prove, prove them. them. Yes. Yeah. And um, I also think, on another hand, it's for a good cause. It's for a good cause, noting the um, rate of unemployment within the country. Mm. There's uh, some need to protect the employee. In some way. Yeah. So I think they had that in mind. And also, like Irene said, if you compare the beginning power, it's assumed that as an employer, you are in a better position. Always. A better position. Yes. So it's assumed that before you take any action, you are in a position to seek legal counsel, advice, and everything before you take any action, as opposed to an ordinary employee, let's say a housemate.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask, um, while I was in university, one of my lecturers um, said, you have an employee whom you do not give any responsibilities to, but you pay.
1: Yeah.
0: Can you see that as constructive dismissal? So I I have a cook in my house. Yeah. But I eat all my meals out. In fact that's that is how she put it. I have a cook in my <laughs> yes. house but I'm always eating out. So whatever my cook makes in my house, I don't eat. Yeah. C- but I, I pay it? her and him <laughs> or him, yeah. Can I answer that? Go, go ahead, go ahead.
1: I, I think that would be constructive dismissal. And mm. I think uh, Massa have also had the same uh, um, class, maybe yeah. a different place, and uh, <laughs> I think they were calling it the yeah. right to work or something like that, the right to be given work yes. or something like that. Yeah. But there's actually a, a case, uh, I think it's the Coca-Cola case, I, rem- I can't remember the first Person, but it's also in our digest. Yeah, the Coca Cola case, uh, uh that, that went from the ELRC to the Court of Appeal, and it had that aspect where uh, a lady was uh, transferred from one station to another, I think from Nyeri to Kisumu to. I think Uganda to somewhere else within very short periods of time. And then in some stations, if I, if I remember the facts very well, she was not given work. She Mm. was not allocated any work, but she's told, Oh, go to Kisumu. Uh, And then, um, uh, then she just sits and doesn't do any work. And then when she went to court, the court actually agreed that that was constructed with dismissal. And I think she was paid, I think 10 months compensation Mm. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Though there were other aspects of constructive dismissal, but that was one aspect of them. That was one aspect. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Any um parting shots from either of you?
1: Um, from how I say it is that um how employment and labor relation has been having practice for in this sector for like the twelve or so years that the 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 the, the laws have been in place, it is very heavy on judicial precedent and case law. Mm. You might not find answers when you just read the Employment the Acts. Act. So HR practitioners, um, employers, um, employees just don't rely on the act alone because there is a lot of judicial interpretation and uh, guidance mm. that is out there that uh, sort of supplements what the law says. So seek advice. Uh, make sure that uh, if, if, if you might, you might need, you might see something that in the act that is very clear. By not, be, and but maybe the example I could give, like how you terminate um, based on poor performance. Yes, the act just says, you know. Terminate by poor performance, but there's a lot of judicial cases that says no, you can't terminate until you subject them to a performance improvement plan.
0: That
1: yes. you can't find it in the act. Yes. So please seek seek legal advice. Make sure that you are guided by judicial precedent. And then the other thing, as far as judicial precedent is concerned, that it keeps sort of changing. It's there's so much dynamism here. Mm. It keeps of not not necessarily changing, but it keeps on being developed. Developed. Yes. Being developed because you know the court is still re- relatively young. Young. Yeah. And some cases are being now settled by the Court of Appeal, the Supreme Court, but there's a lot of development in the area. So make sure that you get proper guidance. Yeah, yeah.
2: Thank you, Vincent. Great. Time. Mine is just to reiterate: get guidance, get yeah. guidance. Yes, and if you don't know where to go, yes, come to us.
0: And <laughs> it is for both the employer and the employee. Yes, and not just um, giving advice to to one party. One party. Um, I would want to say thank you, thank you, a massive thank you to my panelists, Irene Kashindi, Vincent Aware, Asantini Sana for joining us. If you guys go out, Kashindi's Digest on Employment Cases, please buy that book by Irene and George Kashindi. Um, you can hit us up on any of these questions. If you have any questions that you have on this podcast, you can hit us up. You can cut on any of our media platforms. Our website is gvalawfarm.com. That's gvalawfarm.com. Our email is info at gvalawfarm.com. That's info at gvalawfarm.com. And you can also come to our offices. Our offices are 56 Mudili Road Westlands. You can hit us up on Facebook at gamma is our handle. And you can also reach us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at gamma Or you can hit me up personally. On my Twitter handle and my Twitter handle is at Andrewnjanga13. At Andrewnjanga13. Asantini Sana, thank you, and we will. You will listen to us next time. Kahirini.